The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I am your guest host today. My name is Linda House, and I'm the president of the Cancer Support Community, and I am filling in today for our CEO, Kim Tebaldo. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at 170 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Org. Today, we are so pleased to be joined by Brandon Leonard, who is the Director of Strategic Initiatives for the Men's Health Network, and it's particularly timely because June is Men's Health Month. And during this time, it is really an opportunity for us to raise awareness of health problems and encourage early detection uh, and treatment of disease for men and boys. In America, men's health issues are often overlooked or ignored. Men are statistically far less likely to go to a doctor than women. They feel less comfortable reporting health problems and are more likely to face social stigma for reaching out for emotional support. Making sure to understand the proper screening and treatment processes for certain cancers such as prostate and colorectal cancer is essential for men and anyone with a male loved one. So today we'll be talking about these very important topics and more. And as I mentioned, joining us today is Brandon Leonard, who is the Director of Strategic Initiatives of the Men's Health Network, a Washington, D.C.-based national nonprofit organization whose mission is to reach men and their families where they work, where they play, where they live where they pray with health awareness messages and tools, screening programs, educational materials, advocacy opportunities, and patient navigation. They really work hard to make sure that men have full access to the care that that they need. Brandon's current priorities at Men's Health Network include promoting patient access to appropriate care, educating policymakers on key men's health issues, and encouraging men of all ages to think proactively about their health. Brandon is a member of the American Public Health Association and currently serves as Secretary and Co-Policy Coordinator of the Men's Health Caucus within the American Public Health Association. He also represents the Men's Health Network on the board of the National Council on Patient Information and Education. 
Prior to joining the Men's Health Network, Brandon was an international programs officer with the Foundation for Sustainable Development. That organization is an international nonprofit supporting grassroots organizations in Latin America, India, and East Africa. And I know, Brandon, that you previously served as a policy and planning specialist on disability issues in the office of the Governor of Virginia. We also know that you have presented at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration Conference on Workplace Wellness, Oklahoma Men's Health Summit, Urology Joint Advocacy Conference, and Rotary International Clubs, as well as many, many workplace and community health events, and that you've also contributed to um, and edited educational materials on topics ranging from mental health to cardiovascular health and everything in between. So, Brandon, we are so thrilled to have you bringing with you all of this incredible expertise and um, really great work in, in reaching men to ensure that they have uh, what they need for healthy living. So thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Linda. I'm so happy to be on the program. So let's get started um, by having you tell us a little bit about the Men's Health Network. Well, Men's Health Network was started back in 1992, and it was started, you mentioned that our mission is to reach men, boys, and their families where they live, work, play, and pray, and that's really what we've been focusing on since that time. Um, the reason the organization was started was because um, our, our current director, who is one of the founders, and his colleagues recognized that there was really a crisis happening in, in the U.S., and, and I think you could also say the world regarding men's health, um, but a silent crisis of sorts. And that's because men's health wasn't really getting a whole lot of attention, but at the same time, men were in the U.S., um, dying, you know, more than five years earlier than women on average. Um, we're also dying at higher rates from nine out of the top ten causes of death, which continues to be the case today. And really, I think perhaps most disturbing was that how many of those deaths were preventable. When we talk about things like heart disease, many types of cancer, diabetes, suicide, um, really a lot of things that we feel like we could make a huge difference in the lives of men who are suffering or may suffer from these conditions and really just needed to, first of all, work on education, um, public education, and um, second, to make sure that when we're talking to um, policymakers, when we're talking about leaders in public health and in the nation, that men's health is not being forgotten, that it's something that's actually on the table that is just as integral to family health, and community health as the other aspects that we've talked perhaps more about, including um, you know, women's health, maternal and child health. So we continue to do that work today to try to reach men where they are. Um, we do a lot of programming in the community and in workplaces, um, in partnership with faith-based organizations, in partnership with community organizations, and also with sports teams. Um, so we're really trying to reach men where they are. Another important aspect of that is trying to reach men through um, newer forms of communication because we know a lot of men like to get their information online um, as well as through social media channels. So those are some things that we've really been building on, especially in the last decade, to find as many ways as we can possibly get the message out to men about educating themselves on important health issues and then 
taking positive steps to improve their own health. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come back in later segments because I want you to dig a little deeper into some of the work that you're that you're doing today. Um, but first, I would love to know you you have a terrific background um, and a lot of uh, knowledge working in the community. So, how did you get involved with the Men's Health Network, and and why is it important to you? I first found out about Men's Health Network back in uh, 2007-2008. I was a graduate student at George Washington University studying international development, and I felt like, for me, um, health was the most basic and most important aspect of really overall quality of life that we could discuss and we could work on. if you don't have good health, then it's difficult to go to work and make a living. It's difficult to go to school and get an education um, or impossible. And um, just looking at what are the most basic building blocks to um, being you know, happy and productive, um, I decided to pursue a concentration in my program in global health. Um, this also was at a time when I had... I just recently lost my father, who was uh, really my hero, to a rare type of cancer, to bile duct cancer. And Mm. uh, it was life-changing for me. It was um, very sudden and unexpected um, with really no warning. And it was uh, a tremendous loss for me and for my family. And I think it made even solidified for me how important it was to really focus on health and, and what we can do to to be out front of health concerns as much as possible. And not everything is preventable. Um, you know, I'm not sure what we could have done or what we could have known to help my dad, but I do know that for, you know, thousands of, of dads and brothers and sons, um, there is something that we can do. And I found out about Men's Health Network during that time, a difficult time in my life, and saw it as an opportunity to to learn more about public health because it was a space that I I wanted to be more involved in, um, but also to see what I could do to try to make a difference in in helping people understand um, their own health and and prevention especially. so that I could have a positive impact on other people's lives. And so to that end, could you, could you just talk to us a little bit about some of the programs and services that the Men's Health Network provides and offers? Sure, I'd be happy to. One of the things that we do is to do um, direct outreach in the community, and I, I mentioned that we do work a lot with workplaces, and, you know, one of the common things that we hear when we talk about men uh, not being, not going to the doctor as much, uh, not seeking health care as much as women, or as much as, as, as may be beneficial to them, is that they just don't have time. They have too many obligations, um, and certainly women have these obligations as well. But you combine that with the fact that maybe men feel uh, they don't want to ask for help, and you have a lot of guys who say, 
You know, I, I work all day. I don't have the kind of job where I can take time off. And then I have other obligations when I get home. So when would I have time to go? So we try to get in the workplace. And, you know, we've worked with companies, for example, John Deere, Harley-Davidson. Um, we've gone to NASA down in Houston. We've gone to um, Costco. We've gone to um, a lot of the federal agencies here in the D.C. area and and talk to guys. Uh, we do presentations. We also do um, health fairs and free screening events. And we're doing things like blood pressure, glucose, cholesterol, um, you know, sometimes screenings for prostate issues and other health issues. And just trying to get guys to be a little more educated and say, you know, look, you can take a little time out of your day to come and get this screening and sometimes find out something that they really need to take a look at. Um, we also do a lot of work in the faith-based community to um, partner, for example, with churches who want to do um, community-based events that may be health screenings or health fairs or working with a men's group that they have um, to talk about men's health generally or to talk about particular topics like cancer, cardiovascular disease, prostate health, um, and other topics. And then we've also done a lot with uh, sports teams, including uh, particularly the NFL teams, um, also some work with NASCAR, the NBA, Major League Baseball. Um, so, again, a place where guys feel comfortable, um, a place where we know a lot of men are already going to be anyway, and to get the message out to them that this is something that they need to pay attention to. And I think that that's one of the keys for us is it's a little bit different, the way that you interact with men and the way that you get a message out to men, um, maybe a little bit different from the way that you approach women. The motivation is a little bit different, and I think um, as much or even more so than with women, you have to go to a place where um, maybe healthcare isn't the first thing on his mind. Um, maybe you go into a place where you, know, you have a lot of trust built up with someone in your faith community or in your workplace where the employer can say, hey, we're going to take time out to actually look at your health today because this matters to us and it should matter to you. Um, or if you're going to a sports event where people feel more relaxed, more at ease. So those are some of the things we do out, out in the community. Um, and then we really have tried to put together um, a lot of great information for people to access online. And I'll tell you probably uh, a chance later to tell you about some of the specific websites, but we have uh, a lot of resources for people to go to get information, including our, our Men's Health Online Resource Center, um, our main website, menshealthnetwork.org, and others that have information on particular health issues. So. Um, those are a few examples of how we're trying to, to reach out to guys. But I would say, you know, the biggest thing that we do is to support um, at the community level people who want to do their own men's health awareness. And that's probably the most exciting uh, piece for us is to see just how much this has grown over the last 20-plus um, years in terms of everyone wanting to do something to bring attention to men's health issues. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. And that, that is a perfect lead into um, our quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this awareness idea and why, you know, this particular month is a way to raise awareness for men's health. But just quickly, we have got to go to a break. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and today's show is sponsored in part by Lilly Oncology. Please join us when we return when we will hear more from Brandon about the Men's Health Network. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities, Frankly Speaking About Cancer Series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, filling in for Kim Tebaldo, the CEO of the Cancer Support Community. And I'm so happy today that we're talking about men's health. And joining me today is the Director of Strategic Initiatives of the Men's Health Network, really an organization driving a lot of awareness and education around men's health, Brandon Leonard. On this segment, we're going to discuss a number of things, including the state of men's health in America today. And Brandon, when we were um, when we left off at the last segment, we were talking about the important work that you were doing, and particularly one of the things you said you're excited about is the growth in the community and the work that you do to support communities in raising awareness. So, can you start off by just telling us a little bit about Men's Health Month? How did it come about? What are the sort of things that you're doing with it? Who all is participating? Just give us a, an overview of that. Sure. So this all started really with um, National Men's Health Week, which was uh, passed 
passed by Congress and signed into law by President Clinton back in 1994. And uh, this really set the stage. It was, you know, the first national awareness period um, for men's health. So um, it was very exciting and something that we've built on ever since then. Um, so this year, I'm celebrating the 21st anniversary of National Men's Health Week. And we continue to use the week to highlight the fact that, you know, our elected officials have recognized this period and it's, you know, it, it's official. Um, we decided many years ago that, you know, while the week, which is the week, always the week leading up to and including Father's Day, is an excellent opportunity to call attention to, to men's health and, and especially father's health. Uh, really, there's so much to do that we could easily fill an entire month. And so we've been celebrating the entire month of June as Men's Health Month. And it's been a great opportunity to um, highlight some men's health issues, to make sure that men's health really is on the radar. And the most exciting thing that we've seen is just how much awareness is picked up during that time. And uh, I think, you know, this, this radio show is a great example. Um, you know, it's, you know, really an honor to be on this program. And we've seen um, media opportunities just explode in recent years um, to, to talk about men's health during June. Um, at the same time, we get uh, hundreds and hundreds of requests uh, just leading up to June and during the month of June for materials and ideas and tools from organizations and individuals around the country. And, you know, to give you some ideas, uh, we have folks who are calling in from clinics that they're running. We have doctor's offices. We have uh, faith-based groups, places of worship, fraternities, sororities, um, civic organizations. We have um, all kinds of workplaces and businesses. And really, all these groups are contacting us and saying, um, you know, in some cases, we haven't done anything for men's health before. Uh, we want to do something in our city. We want to do something in our community to raise awareness of men's health issues, but we haven't done it. And, you know, what where can we go to get the tools to do this? Um, so we have a lot of materials and resources on our website as well as in print that we can provide to people um, to help them with that, as well as a toolkit and suggestions for how to put together an event. And um, as I said, the, that's just grown exponentially in terms of the number of groups who are contacting us um, and saying they want to do something. Also, we're hearing from groups um, who are coming back and saying, we've been doing this for 10 years. And that's really exciting. That's really gratifying to hear that not only do people want to do something to, you know, to improve men's health, but um, obviously it must have been successful and there must still be a need for it because they've continued to do it for, for many years. And so that's very, very exciting for us. I think one of the other things that's exciting is to see what kind of support we are getting more and more um, from uh, policymakers and from those who work at all different levels of government. Um, to give you just a few examples, there's a Congressional Men's Health Caucus and uh, the session that's co-chaired by Congressman um, Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen from Oklahoma and Congressman Donald Payne Jr. from New Jersey, and they've really been uh, really been taking the lead on um, getting the message out on the Hill 
as well as uh, to the general public about the importance of uh, men taking better care of their health. And we've also gotten some excellent support from partners um, throughout uh, Health and Human Services, HHS, and uh, that includes, you know, posting up pictures of their entire offices wearing blue during Men's Health Week. Uh, it includes, you know, writing blog posts and uh, participating in uh, social media events and activities um, and doing their own events to celebrate Men's Health Month. So uh, it's, it's really become quite a celebration, and it's become uh, bigger and bigger every single year. And we're very excited about what that means um, for raising awareness of men's health issues. So let's talk about some of the specific issues that you're currently dealing with. Uh, what are the biggest risks to men's health and, and why? And what are some of the things that you're trying to highlight and focus on? Well, there are some issues that I think you know we we may um, highlight at different times. Um, we do there there are plenty of awareness periods throughout the year uh, to talk about um, many different types of cancer, for example, to talk about um, heart disease, to talk about um, infectious diseases, and so we try to take advantage of those to raise awareness. But I would say that some of the big ones that are that are always uh, kind of top of mind for us, first of all, heart disease, because it's the number one killer for both men and women. And we know that there are a lot of risk factors that you can certainly manage and stay on top of. And um, we think about heart disease, um, diabetes, um, many types of cancer, you know, things that you can do to prevent those or certainly to, to manage them or to reduce your risk. And, um, cancer in general, but, you know, particularly looking at issues like prostate cancer, colorectal cancer, lung cancer, skin cancer, um, all of these continue to be big issues for men. And, you know, I think um, to put it in perspective, one of the big statistics is that one out of every two men and one out of every three women in their lifetime will be living with cancer. Um, You know, and of course, many of them will not be diagnosed. Um, Many of them will will certainly not die of that cancer, but um, it kind of puts it in perspective just how huge the impact of cancer is. Um, I think everyone has been impacted by cancer in some way, and, and probably the remains one of the scariest diagnoses that anyone can get. So that continues to be a big issue that we work on. Um, another one is, is mental health. And um, we just had a, a Twitter chat on men and mental health. And this is something that uh, is, when we think about some, some, some fairly common mental health issues, uh, like depression, for example, men are very underdiagnosed for depression. Uh, we know that men are less likely, significantly less likely than women, to go and, and talk about um, issues that may be bothering them. And uh, we also know that, you know, of course, men and women um, routinely deal with stress and anxiety um, for many reasons. But for some people, these become uh, really uh, strong concerns and, you know, disruptive to their daily life. And and that's the point where they really need to speak to someone about it. So um, we also know that men are uh, dying at four times the rate of women um, from suicide. 
and I think that's also kind of a, a, a surprising statistic. For some people, women are actually more likely to attempt suicide, but men are much more likely to to actually uh, kill themselves. And uh, we look at a lot of the underlying factors for that and understand that there's a tremendous need to do more on mental health in this country in general, but uh, we know that we particularly need to, to really look at what are some of those uh, underlying causes for men that's driving them to, uh, to really serious mental health issues and then sometimes suicide. So um, there are many issues that I think we can work on. Um, we try to keep all of these top of mind throughout the year, and it certainly means that, that, that we'll always be busy, but we think it's important that we, that we focus on um, you know, a range of, of men's health issues. Mm-hmm. And we've got about two minutes left before we go to break, but before we do, I'd love to have you touch a little bit on the role that families play in the health of their male loved ones. Absolutely. The role of families is, is critical. And we know that um, the role of women in men's health is, is significant. And uh, their women are not always, but, but very, very often, the healthcare leaders in their families. And so they're often the ones who are, you know, making important decisions about, you know, uh, nutrition, making important decisions about going to the doctor and encouraging the men and boys in their families to go to the doctor to get the care that they need. And so it's really crucial that um, women as well as, um, you know, other male family members are uh, there to support men and boys and their family um, who may be going through a health situation or also encouraging to go and get the, the, the checkups and the preventive care that they need. Um, it's so important to have a support system and, you know, family and friends are really the core of that support system. And it's just, uh, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to have um, members of the family who will encourage guys to take better care of themselves, to get educated, and to actually go in and speak to someone when they need to see a doctor. Great. We are going to run to a quick commercial break. We will be back. Um, In just a few um, minutes, this episode is sponsored in part by Amgen Oncology and also Bristol-Myers Squibb. So please stay with us. And, Brandon, when we come back, I'd love to have some more conversation about this particular topic, the the disparities between men and women's health and um, information around um, how support people can become engaged in, in men's health. So this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and we'll be right back after this break. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. 
Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. You are listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, filling in for the CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Kim Tibaldo. And I am joined today by the Director of Strategic Alliances, I'm sorry, Strategic Initiatives of the Men's Health Network, Brandon Leonard. And we've been chatting a bit today about the importance of men health, men's health and some of the, the challenges that that men may have in getting access to care, and most importantly, some of the support and awareness um, initiatives that are in place to help them uh, advance their health. So, Brandon, I would love for you first to inform our listeners of your website. Where can they go to get some of the information that you've shared with us today? Our main website is menshealthnetwork.org. And you can find links to all of our resources on that page. Um, but I can also point out a couple of other sites that I think would be helpful for folks. Um, one of those is, um, since we're in June, there's a great site called menshealthmonth.org. And that's where you can find a lot of great information about doing your own men's health awareness activities. And it doesn't have to be just in June. It could be any time throughout the year. Um, we also have a site called um, menshealthresourcecenter.com, and that has a lot of great information about uh, broken down into particular health topics for men. Great. And for our listeners, we will repeat those before the close of this show today. So if you need to grab a a pencil to write with, please do so. Um, And Brandon, I wanted to just quickly uh, talk about prevention. And I want to move into the cancer space and the mental health space um, in just a second. But talk to us about the difference that detection and um, early treatments really have for long-term outcomes for men and their families. Well, this is so important, Linda, and this is really what we spend most of our time working on at Men's Health Network is uh, educating people about prevention and early detection because it can literally mean the difference between life and death. We talk about um, preventable disease, and we're really looking at a whole host of issues that we've discussed a little bit, heart disease, many types of cancer, um, you know, diabetes to a certain extent, um, certainly suicide. There are certainly many things that you can do to reduce your risk um, and manage your risk of, of having these diseases. And I think when it comes to early detection, you're really talking about um, the possibility, let's say, with cancer, with many types of cancer, for example, of catching it early through a simple test and then being able to discuss what the options are when there are many more options 
and when the treatment is going to be um, less intensive, less difficult, less painful, less expensive, and the outcomes are going to be a lot more favorable. And so this is, you know, we can talk about you know, heart disease as well and, you know, people managing blood pressure and cholesterol levels. Um, we can talk about, you know, managing uh, blood glucose levels with, with, you know, diabetes or risk for diabetes. And really the more that you can get on top of these in the beginning, it's going to be so much easier to manage. So um, we just encourage people to really at a young age, um, because we know there's, there's really a gap for a lot of uh, males in particular between the time they see a pediatrician to the time that they're going to the doctor as an adult. And for a lot of guys, they're not going to the doctor as an adult until something really goes wrong. And then they're coming in with a serious health condition. Um, so we really want men um, and women to start thinking about what do you need to know about your health earlier on and what kind of impact are things that, things that are going on today going to have later on. You know, if we talk about risk factors like tobacco use, um, not getting enough exercise, uh, certainly diet and nutrition, um, these play a significant role in a lot of different a lot of different health issues. And so we want to make sure that people have the knowledge and the tools that they need to be proactive about their health ahead of time because it really makes a tremendous difference. So let's talk about a couple of the, the common cancers that I know you do um, some work with, prostate and colorectal cancer. I imagine you do some testicular cancer awareness um, as well. But can you, right. can you talk about those and, and separate them however you would like, but just kind of talk to um, our listeners. So you know, what, who is at risk for these type of cancers? What should our listeners be thinking um, of if they're in that risk bucket? And where can they go for resources? Sure. Well, with, with, with prostate cancer and, and colorectal cancer, um, as with, with most cancers, um, risk really increases with age, first of all, um, but certainly family history can play a big role, and that's why we think it's so important, not just for these, but for, for most any disease, to understand your family history. And, um, you know, we have a a quick and easy family tree uh, that you can get on our website that just helps you go through, particularly for breast or prostate cancer, to see um, where in your family you may have, uh, you know, something to look out for. And this is certainly something that you want to talk to your doctor about, you know, even at a routine visit. And with prostate cancer in particular, um, we suggest that guys around age 40, uh, at least talk to their doctor about, you know, their personal risk and to understand you know, what makes sense for them individually in terms of screening. And for prostate cancer, in addition to uh, the risk increasing with age, you also have um, the family history. African-American men are at higher risk of prostate cancer. And then there are some environmental factors, and one of the ones that uh, I think we know more about is Vietnam veterans who were exposed to Agent Orange, which, which can expose them to a higher risk for prostate cancer. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, with with colorectal cancer, um, certainly, I think uh, you know the guidelines, widespread guidelines, are uh, to go ahead and, and start screening at age fifty um, for normal risk, but also to talk about earlier screening if you may be at higher risk. And again, that goes back to family history certainly being a factor. Um, having had inflammatory bowel disease, which um, you know some of the most common ones would be um, ulcerative colitis or Crohn's mm-hmm. disease, mm-hmm. Um, or you know there are certain other hereditary conditions that you may have that could put you at a higher risk of having uh, colorectal cancer. So um, we encourage people to have those conversations with their doctors at least by those ages, you know, 40 for prostate cancer, 50 for colorectal cancer, but maybe even earlier if they're in a higher risk group. Mm-hmm. And, and so when they do have those conversations with their healthcare team, what do those screenings look like? What, what should they expect? So for prostate cancer, the, the two most common screenings right now, the two basic ones are, um, first of all, a digital rectal exam, which is, um, you know, it, it sounds really unpleasant, but it's actually, it's, it's quick. You know, no one likes it, but it's quick, and it can, it can actually um, help you help the doctor know if there might be something irregular with the prostate, he's just going to stick a gloved finger into the rectum and see, feel the prostate and see if there's anything abnormal on, on the prostate. Um, the other test is a, a simple blood test. It's called the PSA, or prostate-specific antigen. And um, that's just going to tell if, if there's an elevated level, an abnormal level, then it's going to require some additional follow-up. Um, not necessarily going to be prostate cancer, but that's one of the conditions that, you know, it could be indicative of. Um, so, you know, it could also be um, an infection. It could be an enlarged prostate, but that's going to lead them to do some, some follow-up. Um, for colorectal cancer, um, one of the common tests is to do a fecal occult blood test just to see if there's any... Um, any blood in the stool, and then um, the other two most common tests would be a colonoscopy or a sigmoidoscopy, which are you know ways to get um, you know a very thin device um, with a scope on it um, into the colon and see uh, if there are any polyps or anything else irregular there. So um, you know these are things that. Certainly, the regularity that you would need to get them would depend on um, some of the factors that we mentioned earlier. And if there's something that looks abnormal, then uh, even if you're not going to take action on it right then, it may be something that you need to follow up with a little more regularly with the doctor um, just to make sure that you're staying on top of any issues. So these are tests that, um, you know, no one looks forward to them, but Again, when we talk about the importance of prevention and early detection, it's so much easier, so much easier and so much less painful to deal with these tests and to find out early if something might be wrong than to have to deal with much more complicated um, procedures and treatments down the road. So it's absolutely worth it to go in and get these, to get these screenings. 
Sure, thank you. And and this is really an area where the family can can help encourage their loved ones to go in for screening. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. This is this is really critical because I think a lot of men and women are a little bit reluctant to go in and get these tests and. And, you know, even if you know around this age I should probably getting, be getting this checked out, it's, it's easy to say, you know, I'll, I'll do it next year or I'll, I'll put it off a little bit longer. Everything seems okay, so I'm not going to get it checked out right now. But um, this is where family and, and other loved ones can really play an important role um, in, you know, encouraging a guy to make that appointment, um, you know, if he feels more comfortable than maybe even going to the appointment with him, um, you know, kind of talking through questions or concerns that he might have, um, you know, maybe something that you kind of mark on the calendar for after, you know, the 50th birthday, this is something that we're going to do. Um, if you're going in for a checkup and this is part of it, then, you know, maybe you make the appointment together um, with your with your partner or um, with your dad or your brother, and, you know, you can go in and get a checkup too. I know that, um, you know, for women, they need to get a they need to get you know a colonoscopy or a colorectal cancer screening as well. Um, so these are all things that you can do to kind of help support someone and encourage them to go and get the screenings that they need. Mm-hmm. Great. And as we move to commercial break, I'm going to maybe make the suggestion that men get in the habit of dedicating this particular month, the month of June, to their health awareness and do all of their annual screenings and annual appointments in the month of June. It's a great idea. Yeah, they can mark their calendars. Um, This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and today's show is sponsored in part by Takeda Oncology. We will return right after this break for our final segment. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. 
Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, filling in for Kim Thibodeau, the CEO of the Cancer Support Community. And today we are wrapping up our episode on men's health with Brandon Leonard. Brandon is the Director of Strategic Initiatives at the Men's Health Network. And Brandon, thank you for being here with us. You've provided us with a lot of great information, so I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. And so we just finished talking about the importance of um, prevention and early detection. And so maybe we can walk, walk through a little bit um, through some of the resources that are available to patients. We're hoping that patients heard messages from you about getting screened and, and participating in, in healthy behaviors and lifestyles and the families can participate. So, you know, if they really have some more questions and they want to dig deeper into resources, where can they go for further information? Sure. Well, I can tell you about a couple of resources that we have at Men's Health Network and, and suggest a couple of others as well. Um, we have our, our general website, which, again, is menshealthnetwork.org. We also have um, an online resource center with health information on a variety of topics, and that is um, menshealthresourcecenter.com. Um, we, we have a, a quick and easy um, guide, a checklist for, for screenings and checkups for both men and women, um, and you can find that at getitchecked.com. Um, and then I certainly would encourage folks to check out um, other useful resources that they can find on um, the Cancer Support Community uh, website as well as um, cancer.org, which is the American Cancer Society, and um, cancer.gov, which is uh, the federal government site with more information about cancer. Mm-hmm. And, and give, give a little bit of a feel for what type of resources people can find there. I think you mentioned your family tree resource. That sounds really interesting to me, if you wouldn't mind giving a little bit more information about that. Sure. So the family tree is just a really simple tool. You can print it out. Um, you can find it through our website. Um, probably the easiest way is just do a quick search there on the on the front page of the site. And uh, it just helps you kind of lay out uh, family members and trace back, you know, maybe for your through your your grandfather or your uncle, um, you know, was there prostate cancer there? Can, this is for, for men and women. You can you can also trace back, um, you know, breast cancer, and uh, and really you can take this this sheet or a resource like this and use it for any any disease or any issue. So I would say certainly, you know, when we're talking about colorectal cancer today, um, when we're talking about, um, you know, heart disease or, or many other health issues, um, very useful tool to do something like this. Um, and it's important conversation to have with your family. And a lot of people don't like to talk about these things. Um, and so they find out, you know, later that maybe they're, their dad or their grandmother or someone had a you know a serious health issue, and it would be really beneficial for them to know that when they're having conversations with their doctor. Um, but the the menshealthnetwork.org site has um, links to different educational campaigns that we're working on as well. Uh, we have a library that you can access from there that has a lot of articles. It has also all of our brochures on it. So if you just go to that library link, type in brochure, you'll find in the search option, you'll find all kinds of brochures on there that you can download as a PDF for free. You're welcome to print them out and use them. Um, 
or we also have uh, you know a place a link to our store there where you can order any of the materials that you might want for your own men's health awareness events. And so in addition to, you know, downloading your information or visiting your, your website, what are some of the other um, specific actions that you would suggest men take to be proactive about their health? Well, I think, first of all, um, understand your risk factors for different health issues and, um, and make an appointment to see your doctor and get a checkup if you haven't done that. Um, and as you said, Linda, this is a great opportunity during June or, you know, even the, the week after to, um, to make that appointment, uh, mark it on your calendar, take advantage of this opportunity to uh, get in and, and take advantage of, of screenings um, that really could be life-saving for you. And, you know, I think it's important for people to understand um, that they do have access. You know, if you have insurance coverage, um, including insurance coverage through the Affordable Care Act, um, those plans all have preventive services on them. And even though there's not a men's health preventive services package, um, there are a number of screenings that are available, uh, you know, for, for men and women, um, as well as for certain populations based on risk factors. So, um, and those are at no charge. So if, if you have that coverage, I would certainly say, you know, to take advantage of that. If you don't have coverage, then um, certainly look for um, other options like community health centers and as well as um, community health screenings that may be happening um, through, you know, an organization like ours, through a local hospital or clinic as well. Um, so that's one thing. And then I would just uh, also put out there, if people would like to become more engaged in the work that we're doing and work around men's health, um, then I would encourage you to connect with us on um, Facebook and on Twitter. So we're at Facebook Men's Health Network. Um, Twitter, our handle is at Men's Health, at H-L-T-H Network, um, because you can't get all the letters in on Twitter. And uh, certainly to to visit our website, um, you can also email us at info at menshealthnetwork.org if you have any questions or would like more information. Great. Thank you. And, and one of the things I want to underscore um, in your comments is that if, if we have listeners who are concerned about the cost of their preventive services, you touched on the fact that there um, there are regulations written into some of the insurance coverage plans that would require some level of preventive services. And then there are a number of community offerings that would help to fill in the gaps. And so we shouldn't have a caller or a listener who is thinking, I can't get this done because I can't afford it um, in in today's environment. And so I'm going to just throw out our helpline number, which is 888-793-9355. And Brandon, if you'll just mention your um, website again, where people could get information if they would like to know about community resources. Yes, that's um, menshealthnetwork.org. And we also have a, uh, a site called menshealthmonth.org, which has information if people would like to um, share more educational resources. Mm-hmm. And learn more about um, community resources that could uh, provide screening and preventive services free of of charge. So those are great resources for our listeners to have. Um, We have exactly one minute left in the show. So I'm going to ask you in 30 seconds, 
What's the one thing that you would like listeners to take away from today's show? Well, if I could say one thing, and it may be uh, a, a compound <laughs> thing, but um, I would say uh, for guys to recognize that uh, your health is important and it matters, and um, you know it should matter to you. Um, we want guys to live long and healthy lives, but uh, it also matters to everyone who cares about you and everyone who depends on you. And so, you know, we just encourage you to take those steps um, to be the healthiest man uh, that you can be. And um, we talked a little bit about screening. That's very important. I think, um, you know, getting on the right track with diet and exercise, um, you know, cutting out tobacco and, and just recognizing those often simple things that you can do. Um, you just have to start today. And that's what I would encourage all the guys out there to do. And uh, happy Men's Health Month. Great. Start today and mark your calendar for June of 2016 to, re- to repeat. <laughs> so, Brandon, right. thank you so much for, for joining us today and for the information about Men's Health Awareness Month and Men's Health Network. I would ask our listeners to please visit menshealthnetwork.org for a number of resources that Brandon has mentioned on this particular show. If you have an episode, if you have an idea for an episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer, we invite you to submit those topics to us. You can send your suggestions to news at cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community provides a multitude of in-person, online, and over-the-phone support. If you or someone you know is facing or is has faced a cancer diagnosis, you do not have to do it alone. For more information about our programs, please visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. You can find a location near you, or you can also call our toll-free Cancer Support Helpline, and that number is 888-793-9355. And there you'll have the ability to speak with a licensed mental health professional Monday through Friday from 9 a.m., to 9 p.m. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america health and wellness channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericahealth.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management